Chapter Three of the Human Machine by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Brain as a Gentleman at Large. It is not as if in this business of daily living we were seriously hampered by ignorance either as to the results which we ought to obtain or as to the general means which we must employ in order to obtain them with all our absorption in the mere preliminaries to living and all our carelessness about living itself we arrive pretty soon at a fairly accurate notion of what satisfactory living is and we perceive with some clearness the methods necessary to success i have pictured the man who wakes up in the middle of the night and sees the horrid semi-fiasco of his life but let me picture the man who wakes up refreshed early on a fine summer morning and looks into his mind with the eyes of hope and experience not experience and despair that man will pass a delightful half-hour in thinking upon the scheme of the universe as it affects himself he is quite clear that contentment depends on his own acts and that no power can prevent him from performing those acts he plans everything out and before he gets up he knows precisely what he must and will do in certain foreseen crises and junctures he sincerely desires to live efficiently who would wish to make a daily mess of existence and he knows the way to realize the desire and yet mark me that man will not have been an hour on his feet on this difficult earth before the machine has unmistakably gone wrong the machine which was designed to do this work of living which is capable of doing it thoroughly well but which has not been put into order what is the use of consulting the map of life and tracing the itinerary and getting the machine out of the shed and making a start if half the nuts are loose or the steering pillar is twisted or there is no petrol in the tank having asked this question i will drop the mechanico-vehicular comparison which is too rough and crude for the delicacy of the subject where has the human machine gone wrong it has gone wrong in the brain what is he wrong in the head most assuredly most strictly he knows none better that when his wife employs a particular tone containing ten grains of asperity and he replies in a particular tone containing eleven grains the consequences will be explosive he knows on the other hand that if he replies in a tone containing only one little drop of honey the consequences may not be unworthy of two reasonable beings he knows this his brain is fully instructed and lo his brain while arguing that women are really too absurd as if that was the point is sending down orders to the muscles of the throat and mouth which result in at least eleven grains of asperity and conjugal relations are endangered for the day he didn't want to do it his desire was not to do it he despises himself for doing it but his brain was not in working order his brain ran away raced on its own account against reason against desire against morning resolves 
and there he is that is just one example of the simplest and slightest examples can be multiplied the man may be a young man whose immediate future depends on his passing an examination an examination which he is capable of passing on his head which nothing can prevent him from passing if only his brain will not be so absurd as to give orders to his legs to walk out of the house towards the tennis court instead of sending them upstairs to the study if only having once safely lodged him in the study his brain will devote itself to the pages of books instead of dwelling on the image of a nice girl not at all like other girls or the man may be an old man who will live in perfect comfort if only his brain will not interminably run round and round in a circle of grievances apprehensions and fears which no amount of contemplation can destroy or even ameliorate the brain the brain that is the seat of trouble well you say of course it is we all know that we don't act as if we did anyway give us more brains lord ejaculated a great writer personally i think he would have been wiser if he had asked first for the power to keep in order such brains as we have we indubitably possess quite enough brains quite as much as we can handle the supreme muddlers of living are often people of quite remarkable intellectual faculty with a quite remarkable gift of being wise for others the pity is that our brains have a way of wandering as it is politely called brain wandering is indeed now recognized as a specific disease i wonder what you o oh business man with an office in ludgate circus would say to your office-boy whom you had dispatched on an urgent message to westminster and whom you found larking around euston station when you rushed to catch your weekend train please sir i started to go to westminster but there's something funny in my limbs that makes me go up all manner of streets i can't help it sir can't you you would say well you had better go and be somebody else's office boy your brain is something worse than that office boy something more insidiously potent for evil i conceive the brain of the average well-intentioned man as possessing the tricks and manners of one of those gentlemen at large who having nothing very urgent to do stroll along and offer their services gratis to some short-handed work of philanthropy they will commonly demoralize and disorganize the business conduct of an affair in about a fortnight they come when they like they go when they like sometimes they are exceedingly industrious and obedient but then there is an even chance that they will shirk and follow their own sweet will and they mustn't be spoken to or pulled up for have they not kindly volunteered and are they not giving their days for naught these persons are the bane of the enterprises in which they condescend to meddle now there is a vast deal too much of the gentleman at large about one's brain one's brain has no right whatever to behave as a gentleman at large but it in fact does it forgets it flatly ignores orders at the critical moment when pressure is highest it simply lights a cigarette and goes out for a walk and we meekly sit down under this behaviour 
i didn't feel like stewing says the young man who against his wish will fail in his examination the words were out of my mouth before i knew it says the husband whose wife is a woman i couldn't get any inspiration to-day says the artist i can't resist stilton says the fellow who is dying of greed one can't help one's thoughts says the old warrior and this last really voices the secret excuse of all five and you all say to me my brain is myself how can i alter myself i was born like that in the first place you were not born like that you have lapsed to that and in the second place your brain is not yourself it is only a part of yourself and not the highest seat of authority do you love your mother wife or children with your brain do you desire with your brain do you in a word ultimately and essentially live with your brain no your brain is an instrument the proof that it is an instrument lies in the fact that when extreme necessity urges you can command your brain to do certain things and it does them the first of the two great principles which underlie the efficiency of the human machine is this the brain is a servant exterior to the central force of the ego if it is out of control the reason is not that it is uncontrollable but merely that its discipline has been neglected the brain can be trained as the hand and eye can be trained it can be made as obedient as a sporting dog and by similar methods in the meantime the indispensable preparation for brain discipline is to form the habit of regarding one's brain as an instrument exterior to oneself like a tongue or a foot End of chapter three